Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. I want to bring uh, the second part of an installment of a message that God gave to me. He gave me the original pattern for this word as I was contemplating in my devotions over Christmas. And I just had it sitting on the, uh, sitting on the stove top, just percolating away for six months. And then the Lord just unfolded it. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about unlocking divine sequences over your life. That there is... With the work that God wants to do on the earth, he's looking for a man and he's looking for a woman who will stand in the gap. He's looking for people who will live a surrendered life and by their faith and obedience to God, they will unlock a series of events where Jesus Christ can be seen and viewed by the world because of our obedience. And we talked about this uh, in terms of John the Baptist that in John's gospel, it makes it very clear that John says, as he's in the, bapti- in the wilderness baptizing people of baptism and a message of repentance, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that as he's there, he says, I did not know him. Behold, the Lamb of God who comes, who takes away the sins of the world. And he said, I did not know him, but I had to come baptizing in order for the Messiah to be revealed. So there was a sequence of steps that needed to be taken that was uh, pre-meditated uh, uh, by John, who as he went into the wilderness and he fulfilled his ministry, it then unlocked Christ's ministry to be seen by the nation as the Messiah being revealed. And so often as we look through the Bible, you'll see divine sequences of events that are unlocked by your obedience and my obedience to God that cause a series of events that take place. In fact, today is a fine example of that with Samu and Susanna. You know, Samu got offered a church about three years ago. And he'd only just got married. And when he talked about the cafe, the meeting that I had with him, I sat him down and I said to him, Samuel, I'm not going to stop you, but I want to tell you something. You're not ready yet. And I'm not going to hold on to you, but you need to know from my perspective, you're not ready to go and pastor a church yet. You haven't been trained and equipped enough to go out there. And if you go out there, the devil's going to get your number. And you're going to find that there's going to be some difficult years ahead. And you know what? Straight away on the spot even though he'd already made up his mind before he came to talk to me, he changed his mind right there and then on the spot because he knew that what I was sharing with with him was from the Lord. And as a result of that obedience to Christ, now God is sending him out at the right time. You know, the Bible says just at the right time, God sent his son into the world. Just at the right time. Times and seasons in God are so important over all of our lives. You can jump the gun sometimes in your life and have dire consequences around about your life. Or you can do it in the timing and the sequence of God's Spirit working in and through your life that will produce fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. As you abide in Him and as you allow His Word to remain in you, you will find that you will ask anything and it shall be done, is what John 15 says. And so as we come into this message today, uh, I want to go just remind you that the three things that God said to us 
on how divine sequencing works. The first thing is that it's relationship with God. God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want religion. He doesn't want ritual. He wants personal, one-on-one, heart-to-hearts, connection between you and Him that He's made possible through His Son. He wants you. He doesn't just want your gifts. He doesn't just want what you can offer to Him and with what you have in your life. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants a personal relationship with you. And when he finds that with you, the next thing is that you will be able to hear what he says. You will be able to hear the voice of God because you're in relationship with you. And I talked about, you know, when I first became a Christian, I began to, you know, set aside times in the morning. And at the end of my prayer time, I'd say in Jesus' name, amen. And then I wouldn't talk to the Lord for the rest of the day. And I said, imagine if I got up in the morning, had breakfast with my wife, and I said, I'll see you tomorrow morning. We had lunch together and I'd sit there, not talk. Have dinner together, not talk. It would be weird because it is weird. God wants to have an ongoing minute by minute, hour by hour relationship with us where his spirit can begin to speak to us. And as he speaks to us, as we wait daily at the posts of his door, as that portal into your life, that window of God's voice being able to speak clarity into your life, suddenly you have on board a GPS, a global positioning system, where God can begin to position your life exactly where it needs to be to unlock a series of divine sequences around about your life that is going to be a blessing to many. Can I hear an amen through you this morning? And, uh, And the third point that we mentioned at the start of our message last time was we talked about obedience. John the Baptist exited normal life as we know it. He wore a camel suit to work every day, a camel suit, and his diet consisted of locusts and insects. That is not a normal life. He exited out into this life out of obedience to the call of God, and he unlocked the identity of the Messiah. He prepared the way of the Lord. And you know what? God prophesied that. 800 years before, he looked down the timeline, and he saw John Baptist being born just at the time of Christ, six months before Christ was born, and he positioned him down time, and he raised him up, and out of obedience to that call, he then revealed the Messiah, Jesus Christ, through John's ministry. A sequence of divine events took place, because you see, what we don't understand is that God sees the end from the beginning. You were predestined, the Bible says. Before you knew him, he knew you. He had through foreknowledge and predestination, he knew, he knows your name, he knows everything about you. And he's positioning your life so that through your commitment to Jesus, God is going to be able to work through your life in astounding ways. You know what? He loves to take the R-nots to confuse those who think they are something. Are you an R-not? You don't have necessarily a degree or little letters next to your name. He, take, he loves to take those that are not to, in order to confuse those that, who think they are something and utilize them for the glory of God. He loves to take the downtrodden. He loves to, a smoking flax he will not distinguish. Amen? And, and, and a bruised reed he will not break. He takes us in all of our brokenness and he repositions our life getting ready to use us for his glory. So today in the second part I want to talk about three principles that have helped me to unlock divine sequencing in uh, my life. You know, just, I, just last weekend I was in 
Western Australia on holiday. And I felt moved to go and pray for some dear friends of mine up in Brisbane. So we went up and we spent two days in the Royal Woman Brisbane's hospital praying with our dear friends, who's, one of them's got cancer. And that's normally not a, that's not a normal thing you would do while you're on holiday, but we felt moved to do that. And on the Sunday morning, as we got up and went down for breakfast, I was sitting at the restaurant uh, and uh, table for breakfast, and right next to me, I said to, I turned to Viv and I was going like this, you know what you do when you think that someone you know is right next to you? I was going, I know that guy. I'm sure I know that guy. I went to school with that guy 35 years ago. We were mates 35 years ago. And, uh, and, and then I'm thinking maybe I'm just getting dementia or something and I'm getting a bit old. And so I said, blow it. So I stood up to go and introduce myself to see if, see if, in fact, it was the same person. And I stood up, and as I stood up, he reached over and he said, James Anson, so good to see you after 35 years. I haven't seen you. And uh, we began to have a catch-up on all those lost years been in the right place at the right time. And he said, I, he said to me, I heard about you. I heard that you'd become a Christian and that you're now a preacher. And he's a, he's a famous New Zealand actor. He's acted in all of the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. He's acted in feature-length movies in New Zealand. And uh, so my son's getting into that sort of thing. He says, oh, look, he says, I'll come up and I'll, I'll meet your son and we'll see what doors can open for him. Isn't that incredible how God just does these amazing things as we... So the first principle this morning is spiritual hunger and thirsting after God. In the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus preached these incredible principles one after the other. In Matthew 5 verse 6, he says this, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst I want to talk about your appetite for a moment. Do you know what appetite is? Appetite is something that you feel when your stomach is empty. How many of your stomachs are rumbling right now thinking about this delicious lunch we're about to have? And so what happens is, is that when your stomach is empty, suddenly there's a little inner bell that goes off that says, I'm hungry. That's called appetite. And Jesus said, when you're hungry, you need to thirst after me. And here's the challenge that we all have within our lives today. If we want to see God unlock divine sequences around about our life, when you're hungry, you've got, to, you've got to fulfill that appetite, that desire that's within you with the right kind of food. Because often what we're doing in the world that we live in now, we're going and filling ourselves with junk food. We're spiritual junk food. We're scrolling through newsreels, through social media feeds. We're reading ungodly novels, I don't know what, whatever it is, but we fill our time and we fill that spiritual hunger that's inside of us that God says is a sign I want you to direct your hunger towards spiritual realities and spiritual things and then I'm going to fill you. Can I hear an amen? So what happens is, is that we, when we feed ourselves with the wrong diet, suddenly we're no longer hungry for God. I've done this. To my wife, so I've had to try and fake it when I come home. You know, on the way home, I just, you know, it's been a long day and I've skipped lunch and I'm just thinking about that beautiful Chester's chicken and camembert pie. 
And I'm just thinking, I just have to have that pie. But I know that dinner is very close. What am I going to do? Am I going to satisfy that appetite with that jester's pie? Or am I going to drive home to a home-cooked meal that my wife has taken the time to do? So I turn off and have a jester's pie. (laughs) Guess what happens when I get home? I'm not hungry anymore. I just traded a beautiful home-cooked meal for a jester's pie. And here's the deal. So many of us will often have a short-term satisfaction by filling ourselves with the wrong kind of food, and as a result, we no longer feel hungry for God because we've used our appetite on something else that will never satisfy or never fill you this morning. You know, if we look at Jesus' life... We see this principle operating in his life continuously. He's just fed 5,000 men, the scripture says, and we catch up with the story in Mark 6, verse 45. He sends his disciple into the boat to go across the other side of the lake to a place called Bethsaida. And Bethsaida is actually in a beautiful plain, a very uh, rich, fertile plain, uh, where people were growing stuff. It was the place to go. It was the place for all the new subdivisions to be set up in uh, Gennesaret, uh, by Bethsaida, by Lake Galilee. And Jesus has just had this full day of ministry where he's fed 5,000 people, men, let alone the women and the children. And look what the Bible says. This is remarkable. And this is, a, this is an example of what we're, we're talking about this morning. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountains to pray. Here's the deal. I'm sure, as any of you have done a mission trip, you've been a full day on the field, and you come at night and you're ready to crash. Jesus is not ready to crash. Why is he not ready to crash? Because he's got to yet unlock a series of divine sequences that can only be unlocked in the place of prayer and intimacy with the Father. So what does he do? While the rest of the boys are rowing the boat across the lake, he's heading up to the mountain to seek fellowship and communion with the Father because God's about to use him to unlock a revival in the place called Gennesaret. And so Jesus knows that he needs what, what God is about to do. He needs to go and grab it in that place of prayer and intimacy on the mountainside. So he sends the men ahead on the boat. And of course, he's got an advantage. He walks across the water at night to catch up with the boys after his prayer time. That would be nice. And he gets across there and they land on the other side. Look what was waiting for them on the other side. Verse 54 of Mark 6. And when they came out of the boat, immediately people recognized him. They ran throughout the whole region. People heard that Jesus had docked. They were running. People were sprinting to meet the Son of God. People had heard about the miracles that Jesus accomplished, and they say, I want a part of that. They're running to the meetings so that Jesus can lay hands on them and their friends and family, their sick ones, that they might be healed. And they began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was, verse 56, wherever he entered, into villages, cities, or the country. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made 
Well, a series of divine sequences were unlocked because Jesus directed his hunger back to the direction it should have gone, to the Father on the mountainside, connecting with him, ready to unlock a revival in the region of Genesaret the following day. Wow. I want to ask you today, what is waiting for you tomorrow that could be unlocked today through your relationship with Jesus Christ and being directed by the Father's hand into that place where God can begin to pour His Spirit out through your life. People that are waiting for someone to come along to tell them about Jesus. People who have a sickness and need who are waiting. You know, by the way, I prayed for my friend uh, up in Brisbane. And she, she said, when, I, when Viv and I walked into the room, she felt the power of God hit her room. And she hadn't been eating for a whole week. She had no appetite or desire for food. As soon as we prayed for her, she said, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. You see, being led by the Holy Spirit is a mark of true sonship. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. And this is how we roll, friends, in the kingdom of God. This is how we move. It's by being led by the Holy Spirit. And so revival hits Genesaret. Where is revival going to hit through yours and my life? I believe Fiji is going to be one of those places. Amen. The second thing is fresh faith in God. The key to unlocking, you know, your faith can go stale. If you get a fresh loaf of bread and you chuck it in the pantry and you don't open that loaf, over four or five days you'll open that and guess what? It will be moldy bread. Not moldy bread, but moldy bread. It will be moldy bread and it will eventually go stale and it will not be fit for consumption. And you know what? Our faith is like that. We can have an encounter with God in our early years as a Christian, but you can't ride on that encounter for the rest of your life. God wants to put fresh faith into your spirit today. He says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not yet seen, that God wants to rock and roll through your life and my life by allowing us to have fresh faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's the spoken word into your spirit. Fresh faith is ready to invade your heart, invade your spirit. And when that faith comes, you know what happens? You're ready to do the impossible with God. If you don't have that faith, you're stuck. You're stuck in a time warp. You're stuck. You're dislocated. You're dislocated from what God wants to do in and through your life. But when you're connected through faith, God can direct your life to be a vessel of honour in the house of God. Amen this morning. Amen to that. You know, uh, he's talking to the apostles and, uh, in, in Luke 17, verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. What did Jesus say to them? So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. Jesus makes it very, very clear. It's not the size of your faith. It's what you're doing with the faith that you already have. 
It's not the size of your faith. It's what are you doing with the faith that's already there in your spirit today? Are you acting on it? Are you moving? How shall the just live? The just shall live by faith, the scripture says. Those who have been justified, God, we live by a life of faith. We live by this trust, this invisible bond that we have with God that's strengthened through faith. And through that faith, God can release his life through our life. I love what... Uh, Paul said again to the church at Thessalonia in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Right now, my devotion time, I'm studying the life of Paul. And I want to tell you, Paul got a beating in Thessalonia. He got, a, he got a beating in Macedonia. He got a beating in, in Lystra and Derby. In fact, in Lystra and Derby, when Paul preached the gospel, they stoned him and everybody thought he was dead. And the brothers went out onto the side of the road. They gathered around him. And you know what the Bible says? He rose up and the next day he walked to another town. How do you walk when you've just been uh, left for dead through stoning, through physical rocks being thrown at your body, except you've just experienced a resurrection miracle? But the point I want to make here is, is that he planted the church of Thessalonia. He planted it right in the midst of severe persecution. It wasn't easy to even stand and preach the name of Jesus because there was opposition at every turn. And so that church was planted. Look what he says about their faith. Verse 8, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, not only in your province, not only in Northland, not only in Auckland, but down through the bottom of the North Island, down through the South Island, across the ditch. If we're going to put it in today's terms. But also in every place, your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Friends, your faith towards God has gone out. If you have faith, it moves. Faith can't sit still. Faith will move with God. Faith will cause God to move through your life. Faith will have an ever-increasing ripple effect around about your life that everybody around you will feel the impact of your faith. I've seen the impact of the faith on Samu and Susanna as I've been in Fiji with them by people who previously knew what they were like before they met Jesus. And now they can't believe that they're the same person. They're shining beacons in that nation of Fiji. And already the news is gone. They're coming home. You see, they can't understand why would a person leave the comforts of a good life in New Zealand and come back to the poverty that we have in Fiji. There's only one reason for that, friends, and that's because their faith has sent them out into that nation. And faith will send you to places. Faith will cause you to do things that you wouldn't normally do in your own strength. Can I hear an amen? And lastly this morning, positioning your life before God, positioning, aligning, relocating, whatever you need to do. You see, when Adam never turned up, when Adam and Eve never turned up to their daily appointment with God in the garden, the Bible says that God would come and visit them every day in the cool of the evening. One day God turns up, they're nowhere to be found. What happened? They relocated themselves out of shame and guilt, they had withdrawn from the presence of the Lord, because that's what shame and guilt will do to your life. It will cause you to withdraw from the presence of God. And God says, Adam, where are you? He had repositioned his life in the wrong direction, 
and moved away from the things of God. And as a result, God turned up to the appointment. How, I wonder how many days of the week God turns up at your house and says, where are you? Because you haven't stopped, you haven't hit the pause button so that God can position your life for the flow of his spirit to work in and through you today. They were no longer positioned for fellowship and communion with God. Had God shifted? No, he hadn't. They had shifted their position before God. And so if we, if we look at, we can see this all through Scripture, but my final example is to fulfill this point this morning about repositioning your life. I've had to reposition my life a number of times. When I was pastoring, I've got people, I've got people here in the meeting today who were with me 30 years ago in our first church. Amen. Amen. Georgie's mum here. Georgie was only a young boy back then. Um, and Moana over there, she was just a young, young girl back in our first church. But when God told us to move, he gave us very specific instructions. And we moved from little rural church in a small town called Martin. And then we moved to the big smoke. We moved to Tauranga. And that was the big smoke for us, you know, moving from a small rural town. And then we had one more move. God uh, spoke to me in 2005 and says, I want to shift you to Auckland to take over an inner city church in downtown Auckland. So here's this little country boy from Martin now pastoring in the largest city in New Zealand, right off Queen Street in downtown Auckland. All because we heard the voice of God to relocate, reposition ourselves for the outflow of God's spirit. But before, two nights before I was ready to leave Tauranga, God spoke to me in a dream and he gave me a word in a dream. And I had no idea what it meant. I woke up out of this dream and I had this, I had this word written on my forehead out of the dream. And the word was subterfuge. Subterfuge. What a tricky word. I had no idea what it meant. And uh, because we've been told this is what's going to happen. This is how it's all going to be laid out. This is what you're walking into. And so I, I woke up in the morning because I'd written it down next to my bedside table. Always keep a pad and a paper next to your bedtime table. God will speak to you in dreams, but if you don't write it down when you wake up, you'll forget it. Write it down, and God will speak to you in dreams. So I looked up the dictionary the next morning, and Sadafish, you know what it means? It means this. Things are not as they seem. And I suddenly realized, and I just put it away in my pocket, in my spiritual pocket, and I left it there, and sure enough, four years later, things came out as not as what they had been promised or as they had been seen, and a whole new direction God took within our life, which eventually led us to planting Faith Point Church six years ago. And so, you see, friends, I, this is all I want to leave with you. I want to leave this with you today. When the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, she had an internal a uh, bleeding problem in her womb. She'd been to all the physicians, all the doctors. The Bible says she'd spent all of her savings on doctors and she was worse than ever before. She heard about this man that came from Nazareth. His name was Jesus. And she'd heard about the miracles that he'd done. And she heard that he was coming through her hometown. She had one of two decisions to make that day. Would she just wistfully and hopefully and thoughtfully 
pray that he would come knocking on her door? Or would she reposition herself directly into the path of a man who has been mobbed by hundreds of people and believe that God would touch her? She made the right choice that day. She got out of her house, even though she was weak, anemic, and even though the Bible teaches under the Old Testament that a woman who had an issue of blood within her life, she wasn't to mix socially with other people. She pushed past all of that stuff. She made a decision to relocate, reposition herself right into the path of the coming Messiah as he walked down the street that day. And as a result, she said in herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment as he walks by, I know I'm going to be healed. As she repositioned her life that day, a series of divine sequences took place. And Jesus turned around and said, who touched me when hundreds of people have been touching him? Who touched me? And she confessed and she said, it was me. And he said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. I want to ask you as I finish today, are you in the right location spiritually? Are you in the right location in your marriage, in your relationships? Are you in the right location? Are you rightly aligned with God today? Have you positioned yourself in such a way that God can flow through your life? Because if you haven't, you're not going to be able to see a series of events unfold within your life that can radically change your future and change your life. And as we finish this meeting today, I want to put the call out to you. And I want to ask you, are you willing to be relocatable, not in terms of physical relocation and moving out of the city of Auckland, like someone, Susanna, but are you willing to rightly align your life with the Word of God and the things of God so God's Spirit can flow through your life? Have you been feeding on the wrong diet spiritually? Have you been filling, have you been trying to satisfy that spiritual appetite and hunger for God with the wrong stuff, but you're left feeling empty?